The Apostle John ends his gospel by saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world? Do you possess eternal life in his name? The miracles of Jesus authenticate his own claim to be the Messiah, leaving us with a choice to believe or not believe. Hey, maybe it's time for you to lay aside your skepticism and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. He did things no one had ever done, said things no one had ever heard. He is Jesus Christ. God become man. The Word become flesh. The Word become flesh. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for tuning in. Today, Ron continues his teaching series, Believe, the Miracles of Jesus. As you follow along, pay special attention to the underlying purpose of the miracles Jesus performed. As always, visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to Something Good Radio on your schedule or to make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And now here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message from John chapter 20. Do you believe in miracles? There was one day that Jesus was with his disciples and there was a crowd of people uh, reaching out to him and grabbing him and you know, he was trying to make his way through the crowd and And suddenly, somebody reached up, a woman reached up and just touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me? I thought that was always kind of a strange thing. What do you mean, who touched you, Jesus? There's a crowd of people all around you. They're all grabbing at you and touching you. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And this woman who had a blood disease for years and years, had sought all kinds of doctors for help, was instantaneously healed. Jesus felt the power flow from him. You know, the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. And there's no miracle that trumps all the miracles more than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a powerful display of the power of God in the resurrection. And we bank our faith on the power of God raising Jesus from the dead. Well, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And the power of God, a study of the miracles of Jesus, hopefully will reconnect us to the power of God. Where do you need the power of God at work in your life? If we were to go around the room, you could testify to needing it in a lot of ways. I mean, just just to live this thing called the Christian life successfully. 
The reason the Holy Spirit is deposited in our life at the moment of salvation is because we don't have the power to live this Christian life successfully. We need to draw upon the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to do so. Now, somebody once observed that 2,000 years ago when the early church started, wow, it was a powerful church. Uh, the power of God flowed through that church, but it wasn't very prosperous. You know, they didn't have uh, money in the bank. They didn't have a lot of resources. They didn't have uh, beautiful buildings and cathedrals. That, that came centuries later. And then those same people have compared the 21st century church to that first century church and just kind of flipped it. We're prosperous. <laughs> we got more resources to get the gospel out today than we ever have. But where is the power of God in the church today? That wonder-working power of God. Uh, where, where is it like it was in the early chapters of Acts? That's a fair question for us today. Second thing that I, I hope happens in our study of these miracles is that we would not only reconnect to the power of God, but we would regain a sense of wonder and worship. And you go back to Acts 2, and remember I told you to circle those three words, miracles, now wonders, wonders. Uh, a wonder is an awe-inspiring event. It's an event that evokes a sense of astonishment in us. And friends, the Bible, the Bible shimmers with, with wonder, the wonder-working power of God. And let me just take you on a little journey through the pages of Scripture where we find some of this. I'll stop off, first of all, in a place we don't often stop, and that's the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 5, the Lord says, look among the nations, observe, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe even if you were told. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, who is like thee among the gods, O Lord? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? How about the book of Psalms? Uh, Psalm chapter 40 and verse 5, many, O Lord God, are the wonders which thou hast done. Psalm 107 and verse 8, let them give thanks to the Lord for his wonders to the sons of men. And then I love this one in Psalm chapter 139 where David uh, self-testifies about his relationship with God, and, and he says, I, I give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. When David looked at himself and he just, he just imagined his creator God knitting him together in his mother's womb, he was full of, of wonder and worship when he came in contact with the, uh, the wonder of God. I could go on in the Bible. We could go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a great messianic prophecy that has a Christmas ring, and Isaiah calls the future Messiah at that time a wonderful counselor. We could go into the early uh, chapters of the book of Acts in the early church, and we find uh, the wonder-working power of God. Of course, we're going to look at the, uh, the, the works of Jesus and his miracle works, eye-popping, jaw-dropping, wonderful works and miraculous works. But my question for you this morning is this, have you lost your sense of wonder? Have you lost your sense of wonder and astonishment and awe, that eye-popping, jaw-dropping kind of awe when God does something in the pages of Scripture or in your life or in my life? A lot of us, when we transition from childhood to adulthood, doesn't it become more difficult for us to believe? 
You know, in a child's life, they believe it and then they see it. But we as adults, we say, no, I'll believe it when I see it. Show me the proof. Perform the miracle right before my very eyes, and then I'll believe. And we've lost that, that childlike sense of wonder and the childlike faith that, um, that Jesus said was important. A.W. Tozer, a pastor from a previous generation, said, we cover our deep ignorance with words, but we are ashamed to wonder. Is that true of you? Have you begun to examine the Scripture, even to analyze it, um, uh, becoming so familiar with the pages of Scripture that you give academic answers rather than stand in wonder and amazement and in worship because of what God has accomplished, not only in your life, but what you read about in the pages of Scripture? I mean, think about Christmas. Think about how at Christmas we've lost our sense of wonder as adults. Luke chapter 2 and verse 18 says, all who heard it, referring to the birth of Jesus, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. I mean, how, how many of us adults just say, you know, ho-hum and whatever, you know, it's just another Christmas that we're celebrating here, but we've lost that sense of childlike wonder, that astonishment that the people had in the first century when these wonder-working miracles of God took place. I hope that a study of these miracles will help us regain that sense of wonder and that sense of worship. Thirdly, I wanted to revitalize our confidence in God's Word. And that's where the word signs come in. Remember miracles, wonders, and then signs? A sign is a specific kind of miracle that confirms a truth claim. Uh, a sign miracle is one that is meant to authenticate both the message and the messenger. And uh, this is what John has in mind when he talks about the, the other signs that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. Uh, certainly, Moses performed miracles that were signs. So did Elijah, Jesus, the apostles. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, listen to what he says in verse 2, or chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The writer of Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness, listen to this, by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Now, the writer of Hebrews talks about a great salvation that Jesus delivered to us. He taught about it, he lived it, he went to the cross and purchased it for us through his own blood. He rose miraculously and powerfully and triumphantly from the dead. And the writer says, it was declared at first by the Lord, and then it was attested to us by those who heard. There were eyewitness accounts of all of this, and we have those eyewitness accounts, uh, certainly the Gospels and other New Testament writers. But, but while the early church was starting, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that God also bore witness to all of this. He authenticated it uh, by signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Spirit. So a sign miracle and all of these miracles in one way or another are, are 
purposed by God to authenticate the message and the messenger. So I ask you this question. Is God still in the miracle business today? Let me ask you, is God still in the miracle business today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you're new to the program, we have a special gift to share with you. Simply visit somethinggoodradio.org, click the new listener button, and download a free chapter from Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. It's our way of saying, welcome to the Something Good Radio family. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, as you give financially today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own. The complete audio download of the series that you're hearing now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And you could also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's message. Do you believe in miracles? Now, there's no diminishing of his power. God can do anything he wants to do at any time in any set of circumstances. But here's another question. Is God still in the business of sending a special messenger and empowering that person with the ability to perform miracles in order to authenticate his message? Is he still doing that today? Now, when I ask that question, that usually doesn't get as resounding of a yes, because there's, there's a little bit of a debate in the body of Christ as to whether, you know, those kinds of miracle workers, that's still part of God's plan. Hear me clearly, I, I, I would never deny the miracle-working power of God in the 21st century. But whether somebody over here stands up and says, I perform miracles and stages events and things like that, well, there, there's some reasonable question about all of that, and we have to think biblically about those things. We have, to, we have to ask ourselves, why did God perform miracles in the first place? Well, the primary reason was to authenticate the message and the messenger. And even during Jesus' earthly ministry, he didn't perform a miracle for everybody because he knew that miracles didn't always produce faith. Uh, do you remember the time that the religious leaders came to him and said, Teacher, show us a sign. Perform a sign miracle. Come on, Jesus, perform one right before our very eyes and we'll believe. The religious leaders said that to Jesus. And in... Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39, Jesus returns a, a rather stern rebuke to them and says, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. <laughs> you say, what? What in the world does Jonah the prophet have to do with signs and wonders and miracles and the question that the Pharisees had? Well, remember, Jesus linked his own future resurrection, as he predicted his own resurrection, he linked that to the story of Jonah in the Old Testament. And Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the earth before he rises from the dead. In other words, he was saying, the greatest miracle of all is my own resurrection. 
And at some level, that's all you need. You know, you, you, you crave a miracle. You say, perform what, you perform a miracle right before my very eyes, I will believe. No, not necessarily. And Jesus knew that this, that miracles and signs and wonders didn't always produce deep faith. In fact, again, in the Bible, we believe and then we see. As adults who have a hard time believing, we want to see and then we believe. And Jesus isn't always willing to show us the sign, just to be the, perf the, the performer of miracles out there. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us in, in uh, Mark's gospel that he wasn't able to perform miracles in his own hometown of Nazareth uh, because they rejected him. He, he had to limit the miracles there. And he didn't go back to Nazareth very often. In fact, when they rejected him, he, he just kind of moved on because he knew even if he performed miracles there, their hearts were so hardened toward him, they, they weren't going to believe because a miracle is no guarantee of belief. But it can revitalize our confidence in the Word of God because what we read about in the New Testament, these miracles in Jesus' life and even in the early apostles were meant to authenticate the messenger and the message even as the New Testament was being written by the apostles. Number four, and finally, I, I want this series to replenish your faith and mine. And that brings us back to the word believe. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Got to go to the end of John's book to understand his purpose for writing the gospel. And he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. I hope I don't disappoint you by saying this, this series is not about you and me getting our miracle. This series is about studying the miracles of Jesus, these signposts that point to who He really is that point to the fact that He is the Christ, uh, the Son of the living God, and in Him and Him alone we have life. If nothing else happens during this series but that a few people, one or two, five or ten, maybe a hundred, come to faith in Jesus Christ, hey, that's the greatest miracle of all, is it not? Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. How interesting that the Apostle Paul points back to the creation story, the first miracle in the Bible when God spoke the worlds into existence, that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it's, it's not just, hey, a new and improved self-help kind of thing. No, the transforming, miracle, wonder-working power of God has created something brand new in you. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things are gone. New things have come. You're not a new and improved you. You're a brand new creation in Christ. And that's the, that's the greatest miracle ever. Can God, will God perform a, a miracle in your life that you might need? Sure, He, he might do that. He might do that. I, I have no problem with that. There's no diminishing of His power today. 
But let's understand as biblical Christians why these miracles were performed, how they pointed people even in the first century to who Jesus was. And even these miracles were not enough to inspire belief in everybody, but they're enough for us to believe. And if all we ever had was the miracle of Jesus' own resurrection, well, that kind of trumps them all, doesn't it? And that's enough to say, you know, what more do we need? Jesus rose from the dead. And all of these signs and miracles were attested by the apostles in, in the first century. Here we are 20, 21 centuries later, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, because not only his words, but also his works pointed to the fact that he was the long-awaited Messiah. And we're going to learn about a wedding miracle and uh, a blind man miracle. Uh, we're going to read about uh, uh, the Lazarus miracle, even the second chance miracle. And as we journey along in these, it's going to be, I think, a great study, as a study of God's Word always is. We'll reconnect to the power of God. We'll regain a sense of wonder and worship. We, we will uh, revitalize our confidence in the Word of God. We will replenish our faith as we study through these miracles of Jesus. Are you with me? Thanks so much for being here with us for today's teaching, Do You Believe in Miracles? And Ron, you talked today about modern-day miracles and those who perform them. Some are self-proclaimed and others might very well be divinely gifted. How can we as believers in Christ know the difference? That's a great question, Brian. Let me first say that God can do anything He wants to do. And He is absolutely still in the miracle business right here in the 21st century. Uh, he does miracles, and I don't want anything I say to be misunderstood. But when we see someone who claims to have a miracle ministry, I think it's necessary, even healthy, to ask reasonable questions about it, to think biblically about what's happening. So here's a great verse of Scripture, sort of an overarching principle that all of us should keep in mind. It's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Uh, now remember, this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John and who recorded eight of Jesus' miracles, each of which was recorded for the express purpose of revealing Jesus' identity as the Messiah. And here's what John says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now that's what John tells us. That's what the inspired Word of God tells us. So we are invited and encouraged by God himself to make sure that what we're seeing and hearing is, in fact, from God. Uh, we have a responsibility to do so. So in practical terms, I encourage believers to look at the man or the woman, to, to look at a ministry and ask, is this person or ministry teaching that Jesus Christ is in fact the Word become flesh, that He is God and He dwelt among us? Uh, that's the place to start. Not with what they're doing or claiming to do, but with what they're saying, with what they're teaching. Because the primary purpose of God's miracles is to reveal himself and to glorify himself. Uh, he is trying to point us to the truth about who he is so that we might come to faith in Christ. Now, I don't have time to get into this further because we're up against the clock, but, but Brian, that's the best starting point. 
And I encourage everyone to check out any ministry through that lens. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts on today's message. Do you believe in miracles? Ron, as we wrap things up here on this Thursday edition of Something Good Radio, tell us where we're headed tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Well, Brian, the past two days have been more about establishing a foundation for the series, the purpose of Christ's miracles, and what we can expect to gain by studying them. We come not only to the first miracle in this series, but uh, also to the first recorded miracle in the life of Christ. But according to God's word, it's the first miracle Jesus ever performed. There are some apocryphal sources that say otherwise, and I'll touch on that. I'll also get into the miracle itself, what I call the wedding miracle, when Jesus turned water into wine. That's where we're headed next time. I hope you can stop by then for our next Something Good radio message. Join us then for Something Good when Ron shares his message, The Wedding Miracle. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian saying God bless and thanks for listening.